Okay, good morning everyone. Come and grab your seats. If you've got a Bible, could you go to the book of Psalms? And we will be looking at Psalm 121 in just a moment. Now, my wife has joined me. Can we give Melanie a clap, please? Thank you. Well, <laughs> you're up here for a reason, aren't you? Yeah, what we do, this, um, we started our new series on the uh, Psalms of Ascent we called Life's Playlist. And last week I shared my playlist for life, some things I'm listening to at the moment. And what we want to do at the beginning of every sermon is introduce someone else and they can... Sh- No, this, this, this stand has slowly been tipping and stuff is falling off, so there's, it's all on the floor for our singers, so when you come back, it's all there. I think it's off now, everything's empty now, so you can do that. So Melanie is going to share her playlist and what she does in the church here, so off you go. Okay, good morning, I'm Melanie, I'm married to Stuart, and um, uh, what I spend my nine to five doing is um, looking after the under-18s and what we do in the community. And if I've got any free time, I clean my house and, you know, make dinners and do that kind of stuff. Uh, What I like to listen to. So I'm a little bit extreme in my listening. So if the radio's on, I like Radio 1 or Classic FM. So it's just so extreme and it depends on what mood I'm in. So if I'm in a, I want to pretend that I'm still in my 20s kind of mood, Radio 1 is on. And I've got to be honest, I love new music. I love um, clever, imaginative music. So I love the live lounge. I love it when they get different artists in covering different songs. Um, Yeah, I I just love it. I love listening to the kind of theme tune of the day, like like whatever's going on in our our world, or like songs are like anthems, they tell a story of a people, and so I love listening to up-to-date modern stuff, just hearing what's going on around. This morning we had the vamps on, and they were covering a song called Shotgun, so we were having a good dance around the kitchen to that. Um, I love movie soundtracks, so The Greatest Showman has been on in our house quite a lot, so This Is Me um, gets sung at the top of our lungs um, in the kitchen again. Um, I catch up on our podcast, so if I've missed it because I'm out in kids' work or out in youth work, I catch up on it. Um, So this morning I was having a little listen to Stuart's from last week, and so the boys were like, why is Daddy talking out of the computer? And then Levi came back through to have a wee, and he said, is Daddy still talking? Um, So I like to catch up on our podcast. I'm loving um, Elevation Worship at the moment, so... Um, I love to get modern or up-to-date worship songs in and around our house. I think worship songs have a prophetic edge to them, so they have something to say into the now. So I love listening to old stuff, but I also love the new stuff, because they've often got something that God is doing or something that God is saying right now. In the car, we're all about the Rend Collective, because the boys just love the Rend Collective. I know there are people in here who are inwardly groaning or even outwardly groaning, but kids love it because it's boppy and it's repetitive it's really easy to sing and if we want to engage our kids in worship we've got to find stuff that engages them so mine love it so we have it on loud and proud and I also listen to my bible so sometimes I read my bible last thing at night and I'm a bit tired and it's really nice to have this man with a very soothing voice reading the bible to me um, in in my ear so I can just kind of relax into it a little 
little bit. So that's what I listen to. That's my playlist. All right. Thank you, Melanie. All right. So we're into um, the Psalms of Ascent, um, which are a series of Psalms within the book of Psalms, Psalm 120 through to Psalms 134, giving this collective title. And these were Psalms that were sung by pilgrims as they traveled from their homes to the city of Jerusalem to celebrate one of the three annual feasts as prescribed by the law. They had the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Pentecost, uh, sorry, Passover, the Feast of Weeks, which was Pentecost, and the Feast of Booth or Tabernacles, as it was called. And they would travel to Jerusalem three times a year for these and they, um, festivals, and they would sing these songs, hence the life's playlist that we've been talking about. The term ascent in their title was due um, to the going up. Jerusalem was set on a hill, and so there would be a traveling up to Jerusalem. Once you were in Jerusalem to travel to the Temple Mount, which was their ultimate destination, where the presence of God was in the, in the city, they would have to travel up to that because it was set on a hill. So we get the Psalms of Ascent. And last... Um, week uh, we looked at the structure. Can you put the structure up of the Psalms? There's 15 of them uh, which basically show life's journey from beginning to end, sort of from the beginning when the pilgrim would set out to the end where they'd reach Jerusalem. But it can be broken down into groups of three um, that basically follow this theme. The first one is a situation of stress. The next one is the Lord's power to deliver. And the final one is um, God bringing the pilgrim home. So we're actually on the second of the first trio. We've done 120. We saw last week, situation of stress and distress. This week we're on Psalm 121, which is about the Lord's power to deliver, which is what we're going to look at today. And what we've got here is um, uh, we, we've titled all our Psalms after songs. And so we're going to have this um, week's title is, do you recognize this one? Go on, Aaron. Okay, that was Help by the... Okay, for an extra bonus point, who can tell me what year? 67 is not right. 65. I just want to say, I asked Ruth at the back when we are getting ready. She got it right first time, straight out. I said, well done, Ruth. I said, what year? And she just looked at me and went, 965. I thought, well, there you go. So today's sermon is called Help. I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Okay, um, we all need help in life. We all need help. We all go to different places to find help, many different places. We can go to friends and family to find help. We can go to our money or our savings for help in a particular situation. We can go to uh, hospitals or drugs or medicine if we're in uh, pain and suffering and we need help there. We go there. We might need Um, help from the authorities if a situation has gone bad. We might need help from legal advice. We need to go and say, how do we deal with this situation? We find help in lots of places, and none of them are wrong in any particular way, but if we trust them as our ultimate source of help, we will go wrong, because ultimately each of those things will fail at some point. They can't put your entire trust in them. You can't put your complete faith and hope in them. They ultimately will not help you when you really, really need it. And what we've got in the psalm for today is the psalm is pointing us to the ultimate place to go for help. The ultimate place to find help 
in what we're doing, where we should find our trust and our hope in a place that will never, ever fail. So if you've got your Bible, if you want to go to Psalm 121, I'm going to read it out to you. It starts, I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Okay, big idea for today is no matter what we face on life's journey, the Lord watches over and helps his people. No matter what we face on life's journey, the Lord watches over and helps his people. Now this psalm, eight verses, you can divide it into four sections the first section, the first couple of verses, basically is the overarching theme of the psalm, um, where the, law, uh, the psalmist is calling out to the Lord for help and saying, this is where my help comes from. And then the remaining uh, six verses, I mean two sections of three, they basically outline sort of the response to that question. It's really a confession where the psalmist is basically outlining who is the person who is helping them, what they're like, what they can do for them. And the psalmist is pointing to the Lord God of Israel as the one, as his ultimate source of help, and then goes on to describe what God is like for him. It's a psalm for travelers. If you listen to the language in the psalm, there's images of travel and journey. It talks about hills. It talks about potentials of foot slipping. It talks about the sun and the moon passing, days on travel. It talks about coming in and going out. But it also points out the journey can be difficult. It talks about getting lost. It talks about being beaten down by natural forces and even general harm. It talks about evil coming upon them. So it's very much applicable to us today as we travel through life. What I'm going to do is I want to look at two sections, two titles as we go through the psalm. The first one is who and the second one is what. So the first thing, who. Who is the psalmist talking to? Well, it says at the beginning, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You've got a question there and a confession. It begins with the personal one, I. This is a very personal psalm. If you're going to read it, you're going to read it yourself, you've got to put yourself in the place of the psalmist. So it begins with an I. And so all of us today have to ask that question of ourselves. If you put yourself in the place of the psalmist, where does your help come from? Where does my help come from? And the psalmist says, I look up to the hills. I lift up my eyes. And what he's saying here is when he's talking about lifting his eyes, that's um, an expression of longing, an expression of looking and hoping. It's not just an observational thing, well, I'll just look up. No, he's, he's an expressing and a longing and a desire. And the thing is, when we look up, we have to take our eyes off the circumstances around us. So as he begins this psalm, He's saying, I'm lifting up my eyes. I'm looking with longing, with expectation at something. And in doing so, I have to take my eyes off whatever's happening around me, the day-to-day, the pressures of life. I have to look above them. I have to look beyond them. I have to take a moment to shift my focus 
from the earthly and the mundane to the transcendent and what is above. And he's saying he looks his eyes up to the hills. The hills could be a reference to the hills surrounding Jerusalem. Jerusalem is surrounded by hills. And as the hills surround Jerusalem and protect it, so God surrounds his people and protect it. It could be a reference to the hill on which on Jerusalem is set. And on there is the Temple Mount, um, possibly David's palace. And that's where God's presence is. That's where he is. So he's looking up with an expectation and a longing. And he's saying, I'm looking up at that place. And he asks this question, from where does my help come? And he just asks the expression, but then he immediately goes and answers it. And he says, my help comes from one place. Where is it? It's from the Lord. And in your Bibles, Lord is probably written with capitals, L-O-R-D, capitalized. And that's, that's specific in translation. Because the word used there is not just your general term for Lord, which you could talk to, you know, a slave and master relationship, or we have lords in this country, don't they? Titles, landed titles. No, it's not that kind of Lord. This is a personal name for the God of Israel. It's a translation of the holy name Yahweh, the God of Israel. So when the psalmist is talking, he's only talking about one. Person, it's not a general sense. It's very specific. My help comes from the Lord, are Him and only Him, the God of Israel, the One who revealed Himself to Abraham and then to Isaac and Jacob and Moses, and then on the, the hill, uh, sorry, the Mount Sinai, when He gave the the law to the people of God, and He had His presence in the tabernacle and later the temple under Solomon. That is the one person He's looking to. And if you read your Psalm, I did some maths. I counted, the Lord came up five times in my Bible, and then the word he, referring to the Lord, came up a further three, which makes eight. I have a maths degree, you can tell. Eight verses, eight times. That's averaging out one a verse. I'm on fire, aren't I? So it is all the way through this psalm riddled. This is who I put my help and trust in. Nothing and no one else, only him, the God of Israel. I am focused on one person and one person alone. And then he says, this God of Israel, this is the one I I seek help from. This is the one I put my help in. And this is, it's more than just mere assistance. It's not like, let me help you with your shopping. It looks heavy. I will take one of the bags and be a help to you. It's of greater meaning, the words behind it. It's talking about God's providential care for his people. There is something so much broader and something so much greater than this. So he's saying, my help, my hope, my security, everything I have in this life that I'm looking for in aid and assistance comes from God alone. That's all I'm who I'm putting my help in. And he describes something about this God. What does he say about him? He says, this is the Lord who made heaven and earth. He made everything. Heaven and earth is kind of just an all-encompassing phrase statement that is basically, he made everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. The spiritual realm behind that that comes up again and again in Scripture. God made all of it. Everything. He made it. And not only that is we find... That God also sustains it, as we read else in the Bible. He's not only just creator, he's also sustainer. 
He literally holds everything together. And so the one I put my help, or I focus on for my help and trust, created everything, which means he is powerful. He is all-powerful. The fact that he, in the beginning, he spoke and everything in creation came into being. All the, the hills and the mountains and the sky and the sea and everything in it, even people, everything he created. So I am putting my hope and my trust, and I am looking for my help in only one place. The God who made everything and sustains it. He's not a weak, powerless deity, some idol being crafted by human hands that people bow down to. No, no, he, is, he transcends that. He's the one who made everything. He created it and he sustains it. He is all powerful. So that's the who. That's who he's looking to. And now let's look at the what, which is basically the end, uh, the rest of the psalm. What about the Lord? What does he do? What about him? What, why? You know, why should I put my help and trust in him? And the, the psalmist then goes on and basically makes confessions where he is, he's not actually talking to God. He's like he's talking to people around him, other people who've been singing, other pilgrims on their journey, reminding them of the truth about God so they can be built up and encouraged. He is speaking words of truth and hope and faith to them. So they can be built up because the, um, the tense changes. He's talking about I and then he talks about you from verses 3, 8 onwards. And what does he say about the Lord? Well, there's one word that comes up again and again in the translation I read to you um, throughout those six verses. I'll read it again, see if you can spot it. He who will, let, he who, sorry, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. What's the word? Keep. Keep or keeper or keeps all the variations of that word. It appears six times in six verses there. This is what the Lord does. He keeps you. Other translations use the word watch or watches over you. And this word comes up again and again um, in the Old Testament to describe the acts of the Lord. We find in 1 Samuel 2 uh, where Hannah is praying to God about the birth of Samuel. He describes, he says, the Lord will guard the feet of his faithful ones. There's that same word again, been translated to guard. Go to Psalm 91. It says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Same word again. We find in Joshua 24, which we studied as a church last year. And it says this, describing um, Israel coming out of Egypt from slavery. And it says, uh, he who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us, that's the same word, us in all the way that we went. So this is the God who watches over it. This is the God who is the guardian, the protector of his people, the one who watches over and care. He is not a distant, abstract deity over there. He is very present in the lives of his people. He is very present in the history of his people. He is there watching over them. He is swift to, to save and to bless and to lead and to guard and to guide them. And so he is the guardian of his people. And the psalmist is making this point again and again, and he uses a bunch of images uh, to describe what this guardian is like. The first one is that he guides, verse 3. It says, you will not let your foot be moved. And so what he's pointing there is on travel, they might be going up and down. There's two elements there. One, that you won't slip. 
If you're climbing up something, a slip of the foot could be dangerous. It could even be deadly. You suddenly lose your balance, you're falling, bad things can happen. It can also mean your foot being moved. It means you get lost. If your foot's moved in the wrong direction, you can suddenly head out in the wrong way and suddenly you're not heading towards Jerusalem, you're heading somewhere else, which could be dangerous and lonely. So he will not let you get lost. He will not let you slip and fall. He is your guide. He makes sure the, the ground under you is firm and secure and you can walk safely following him with him. He is your guide. He is the one who's going to watch over your path. The second thing there, it says in verse 4, it says, he watches. It says, behold, who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now at the time, many of the deities round about, uh, the ones created by human hands, the idols that they worshipped, they was common to believe that those deities often fell asleep. They slumbered because they were made in the image of man. Men, women, we sleep, so therefore the deities sleep. So often they had to try and rouse the deities to get their attention. They wanted something, they wanted their crops to grow, or they wanted to win in battle, or have children, or whatever it was. They had to get the, attentions de- uh, get the deities' attention. And we see this in 1 Kings 18, where there's this big showdown on Mount Carmel between the prophet Elijah, prophet of God, against the prophets of Baal. And there were many hundreds of these prophets of Baal. And basically Elijah says to Israel, who are you going to worship? You're going to worship the God of Israel? You're going to worship Baal? Let's have a contest. And he built an altar and he said, whoever pulls down fire on the altar, they're the winner. They're the best God. They're the true God. They're the biggest, most powerful God. And the prophets of Baal went to town and they started yelling and whooping and cutting themselves and praying and make a great big noise. And Elijah's on the other side and he starts mocking them. And he's laughing at them and saying, well, where is your God? Where is Baal? Has he gone on a trip? Is he on the toilet? Has he fallen asleep? And it's the same idea. He's had to try and rouse Baal's attention. You read the story. Elijah and the God of Israel win. But he starts mocking them because you think they're saying, oh, is your God fallen asleep? And what the psalmist is saying, that the God of Israel never sleeps. He won't lose focus and attention. He won't doze off. The two words used there for slumber and sleep actually refer to different things. Slumber is the idea of getting drowsy and nodding off. Sunday afternoon, you've had your lunch, you're sitting down in the chair, it's a little warm, and you start to get that... Am I the only one? Really? And you kind of just like, you're like, that's, that's the slumber part. That's the nodding off. Like he, he's losing. I'm trying to watch. I'm trying to watch. And before you know it, you're gone. And then the sleep refers to normal, just lying down, going to bed, going to sleep. And he's saying, God will do neither of those things. He will never take his eyes off you. He will never lose focus, lose attention. He is always alert. He is always watching always his eyes are on you he knows what's going on he's not missing anything all right the next thing it says he is your shade now there's a couple of images it uses here in this verse verses five um, and six it says um, the lord is your keeper he is a shade on your right hand the sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night and what he's doing the first one is the image of the right hand now this is an interesting one because back in the day you had the soldiers and the soldiers would have a shield in one hand on their left hand and on the right hand they would have their weapon a sword or a spear or a javelin or something but what that meant is their right hand was the right side was vulnerable because on this side they had the shield so this was protected this side was vulnerable so you would want someone on your right side to protect you with their shield 
And so he's saying the, the Lord is the one who stands on your right to protect you where you are vulnerable, to watch you where there is um, danger, where you are exposed. The second image there, he talks about the shade. Now the shade is actually shade from the sun because it was an arid desert land where they would have been, where they've been traveling through, and the temperatures could have got so high that they literally would knock you down. They would force you to collapse. The heat of the sun in the day could be, could be life-threatening. And like that's life-threatening, you need to get to shade. You need to get out of the heat before it does damage to you. The Lord is like that. He is the shade from the searing heat. He will protect you. But not only from that, it says, it says it was, that's the sun by day, but it also says the moon by night. I'm not sure you know, you've ever been out at night and think, man, have I got my protection on? for the moon at night. It's not something common that we think about. But back then, the moon was associated at night. When you went out and the moon was bright, it was associated with certain illnesses. It was associated with tricks of the mind, things that would come at you. It was a dangerous time at night when the moon was out because there was no other lighting, street lighting that we're used to here that we see is always kind of light around. You lose your depth possession. You can't see where you're going. People often went, were known to go crazy at night with their kind of being out um, in the wilderness with nothing but um, darkness around them. And so there was a protection there. And the images of God watches you round the clock. So there's day and night from whatever might come against you from the searing heat to the day, but also it can be freezing cold at night. The temperature difference in the desert can be massive that you need to protect yourself from. God is your shade. He is the one watching over you. He is your protection round the clock. Whatever's happening, he is right there. And the last one comes up in verses 7 and 8. It says, he will keep you from evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth from evermore. There's three more keeps just in that section alone there where it reinforces God's protective care for his people. It talks about being kept from evil, just a general comment about the evils of this world that would come against the, the people of God. Now what it doesn't say when he's talking about being kept from evil doesn't necessarily mean you'll be removed from it. Doesn't mean that, it, that you'll never have bad things happen in your life, but it means that God will keep you through those times. Um, so one commentator wrote, uh, being kept from evil doesn't mean a cushioned life, but a well-armed life. God is with you to protect you, so you are well-armed in the situation, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a cushy life. Evil will always be with us in this life, but God is going to watch over us. It talks about going in and coming out. Most likely a reference to the festivals they were going to. They would go, they would celebrate the festivals, but then they would have to return to their homes. They'd have to go back to where they'd come from to continue with life. And so there's that going out and coming in that actually God is watching over all of life, not just bits of it. And even the last reference there forevermore actually pushes that right into eternity. That God is watching over you, not just in in this life and the comings and goings, but also into the next one. He has his care um, for you. So what's the point of this psalm then? He's reminding the travelers on their way to Jerusalem that the Lord is with them and he is their help. He is the one who is going to help them. He is the one who is going to watch over them. If ever they're in need or anything that comes their way and they need to cry out for help, he's the one they should cry to. He's the one they should be looking to. He's the one that they should have their focus and attention on. 
The journey can be very difficult. We saw that last week in Psalm 120. It was a great start to the series all about life being tough and difficult. And we have to just acknowledge that and get on with that sometimes. But actually in those situations when we cry out to God, this is the one we're crying to. You can see how the two Psalms go together. Life's tough. We need to cry out to God. We need to be honest about how we're doing. The pain and suffering is. But the one we're crying to, the one that we're looking to for the help, is the one who guards us, who watches over us, who looks after us, who protects us, who orders our steps, who takes care of us. He watches over us. And so that's kind of what the psalm is going there. So hopefully you can see how that fits in with the psalms of ascent and what they're doing. Now, to finish off, let's just do a couple of things to earth this um, in what we're doing today. A couple of uh, application. The first one is a question for you all. Where are you looking for help? Where are you looking for help? What are you trusting in? What are you putting your hope in? What are you putting your trust in for your future? What are you putting your hope in right now? Where are you calling out for help to deal with the, the difficulties of life as they are now? Because you could be facing difficulties in all sorts of sense. There can be work, work ones related to that. You can have relational difficulties, uh, medical, physical difficulties, emotional ones, spiritual ones. There's a whole host of pressures that come into life. We looked at it last week in that first Psalm 120. But the question then has to be asked, where are you looking for help? Are you putting your trust it may be friends and family, those who are around you. They'll, they'll carry me through. They're the, ones, they're the ones I can put all my hope and my faith in. They're the ones I can rely on in situations. Are you putting it in a job or provisions to provide? I've got a good job and it, it pays the bills and in fact pays quite well and we've got savings and I can, I'm all right because we've got savings. So whatever comes, I can pay our way out of it. I can get stuff repaired. I can live this life. Is it because you're young, you're fit, you're healthy? Do you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm trusting just in what... What I am in myself, I'm all right. I don't need anyone to look after me. I'm just trusting in myself and all those things. The skills you've got, the, the experience you've required, that's what I trust in because I know that, that I can talk my way out of situations. I can work my, my way out of situations. I've got a good head on my shoulders. I know what I'm doing. You might even go the other way and actually think, do you know what? I don't need any help. <laughs> I think I'm all right. Actually, I don't need to look for help because I've got it all sorted. I know what I'm doing. But the, the reality is we all need help. And we don't just need help in the mundane of life, in just living life, sorting things out. We don't just need help. I'm not talking about that help, which we all need anyway. We all need much greater help than that. We all need much greater help than that because we've all got a problem. And our problem is our sin. Our problem is our rebellion against the holy God. Our problem is that we've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all gone our own way at points in our life. We've all said we want to be in charge. We want to call the shots. We all have that problem. And that problem needs dealing with. That problem needs sorting out. We need to look for someone for help. And the reality is the things of this world won't cut it. Trying to be a good person won't cut it. Trying to live for a cause 
whether it be political or, or social activism or whatever, will not cut it. You need help. You need rescue. Because as we stand before a holy God who is pure and right, we stand guilty, completely guilty. And so we need someone to come and help us and save us in that situation. Thankfully, we have such a person in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was God himself, came to earth, lived as a man, lived a perfect life, died on a cross in our place for our sin, rose bodily from death victorious, and now rules and reigns in heaven forevermore. And where we look for help, he's the one we took to. He's the only one who ultimately can help us. He's the only one whose help can never fail, never run out, never gets the end, never let us down. He's the one that we should be looking for and looking to. So if you're not a Christian here today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to look to him for help. You need to look to him as the ultimate one who can help you as the only one who can truly help you, the only one who can deal with your ultimate problem in this life and secure your future in the next life. You need to turn to him. The Bible calls it repenting. That just means turning around and going the other way, putting your faith and trust in him, forsaking running your own life your way, seeking forgiveness for the things that you've done wrong. If you're a believer here, I make the same charge to you. Charge to you. We're all guilty at times of trying to work things out ourselves. <laughs> There's a situation, a problem comes up. Well, I'll, I'll try and sort it. I know the way forward. I've got smart ideas. I know what to do. I can throw money at it, people at it. I can call in favors. I know what to do. Very rarely do we <laughs> turn to God first. He should be our first point of call. He should be the one we always turn to first and say, God, help us in this situation. And so for us, we also need to repent when we've relied on our own abilities, our own kind of um, what we can do with it rather than crying out to help because he's the one where our help comes from. And so there's the question. The final thing is a challenge. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. If you're not a believer here, I encourage you, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. He's the one who can save you. He's the one who that psalm is talking about. He's the one who it's pointing to ultimately. He's the one who watches over us and never slumbers or sleeps. He's the one who orders our steps. He's the one who is with us, watching over us by his spirit. He is the one, and he is calling out to you, as we heard this morning in Sophie's testimony, saying he loves you, he's for you, he wants good for you. Just come to him. Make that choice today. If you're a believer here, we're going to have a moment where I'm just going to lead us in an opportunity to cry out to him for help. Whatever your situation is, whatever is going on in your life, I want you to cry out to him for help. I want us to take what's written in this psalm as something to build our faith, to remind ourselves who he is. And then we're going to call on him for help and say, this is the situation I'm in. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm going through, God, and I need help. I need your help. I need your grace to get me through. What I'm going to ask you to do as a church, as we come out this week, what I want you to do is I want you to take this psalm. I want you to put it somewhere where you can grab it first thing in the morning. I don't know if you put your Bible by your bed, 
or if you've got it on your phone or whatever, or you can bookmark a page or you can set an alert on a calendar or something. But I want you to get this psalm out every day this week. It's eight verses. I want you to read it aloud. I want you to speak it out and say, this is where my help comes from. I want at the beginning of the day to remind ourselves of where we're looking and where we're putting our ultimate hope and trust. And then maybe out of that, maybe once you've read the psalm and you know what you're facing in that day, you know what's coming on your Monday or your Tuesday, I want you to write something down. I want you to write a prayer, something specific. Just pray to God out of the psalm for him to help you in this given situation. I don't know what it could be. It could be anything. It could be a relationship. It could be a sticky situation at work. It could be a health condition. It could be a financial monetary provision. It could be something you're facing emotionally and you're just trying to deal with it, whatever it is. But once you've read the psalm, built it up, pray something out of it. You can even read this psalm by just changing the language side. You can make this very personal. After the first bit's I, the second bit, you can read, instead of reading, he will not let you, you can say, he, uh, he will not let my foot be moved. He who, keeps me will not, he who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps me will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade at my right hand. The sun will not strike me by day nor the moon by light. The Lord will keep me from evil. He will keep my life. The Lord will keep my going out and my coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Read that every morning this week. Ask God for help. Be quick to do it. In your life groups, I know the groups aren't meeting this week, but actually I know you've all got communication systems in place, WhatsApp and the like. Don't be slow in asking for help. Don't be slow in asking help for yourself. Do not be slow in asking help for others. You know your group. You know what the needs are. Pray and ask for help in those situations. Do you want to stand? I'm going to pray. We're going to finish. Can the band come up? And we're going to worship. Do you want to just close your eyes? I'm just going to read those first couple of verses of the psalm. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I want you all to take a moment now and to lift your eyes up to the hills and look at where your help comes from. Because your help comes from a throne in heaven with someone seated on it, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has got scars in his hands and his side from the sacrifice he made to save us. He is ruling and reigning in authority. All power belongs to him. He is sustaining the universe that he created, second by second, moment by moment. He is over all things. Nothing escapes his attention. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He is ever-present with his people by his Spirit. So here now, he's with us by his Spirit. And that's the one we look to. That's the one we turn to. That's the one we put our eyes on. If you're not a believer here, I just, I'd love you to recognize that. Put your faith and trust in Jesus. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from living your own life, your way. And look to him. If you're a believer, him, look to him. Call out to him, cry to him, focus him, thank him that he's the one 
who holds everything together. He's the one that your help comes from. He's better than any other form of help we can imagine. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are our guardian. Lord, thank you that you are the one who watches over and protects us. Lord, I want to thank you that you're one who guides, who orders our steps. Lord, I want to thank you, the one who watches the moments of our life day by day. You see the hurts, you see the pains, you see the things we struggle in. Lord, I want to thank you that you are our shade, that you protect us from the searing heats of the sun and the moon at night and all that that means all the oppression that tries to beat us down, lead us off. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you govern and watch over our life. You don't keep us from evil, Lord, but you protect us in it. Lord God, and I want to thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, you, you know everyone here. You know what everyone's going through. You know all the situations that we're facing, the difficulties that weigh on our mind for ourselves, for our loved ones. Lord Jesus. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are our help in those situations. Each of you know what your situation is that you need help in. And I'd like you now to name it before God. Specifically name it. This is the situation. This is what I'm facing. This is what I'm going through. And then I'd like you to ask God for help. I'd like you to say, Jesus, come and help me in that situation. If you need guidance, just ask for guidance. If you feel you need protection, protection. If you feel you need words of wisdom, if you feel you need strength to keep going, if you, whatever it is you need, if you need healing in your body, pray for that, if you need provision, pray for that, if you need someone to come alongside you, pray for that, I'm just going to give you a moment, do it, and then I'll wrap up in a prayer in a moment, but ask God for help now.